Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Muriwa Gawaza, and for today, we are uh, sitting at uh, Vodacom's offices um, in Midrand, and we're just going to be chatting with uh, the CEO of Vodacom South Africa, that is uh, Sito Umplalose. So, Sito, greetings to you. Hi, Muriwa. How are you doing? Good to be on the show. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for the time. Now, thank you so much, you know, for being with us today. Um, usually, uh, you know, those that have listened know that in the beginning, we like to get a sense of the organization. Uh, but, you know, Vodacom is a household name, so we're not going to ask what is Vodacom. I'm glad you said right? that. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, you see, I think that too. I think Vodacom is a household name yeah. too. So, good, good that we're on the same page there. So... Instead, what I will ask is to say, when we talk about Vodacom South Africa, it might be obvious, you know, to say, okay, fine, you've got a company that operates in roughly eight or so countries, and then South Africa is the biggest piece of the business. But under your purview, you know, what what are what are we what are we actually looking at? Like, what are you looking after on a day to day? Yeah, so so Madewa, I think uh, you're right, Vodacom South Africa. Uh, look, the the one thing that we we say is we, we we exist to connect South Africans to a better future, right? And um, when you when you look at that, it it encompasses various areas of what's really important to us, and we kind of break that down or articulate it in three sort of ways. The the first is we talk about a digital society, yeah. uh, and I think digital society for us is more than just our connectivity. Our connectivity enables uh, various elements of technology to kick in. But ultimately, when we talk about a digital society, we think about the power that our technology has, uh, almost combined with the uh, just just the, the, the innovative nature of the human spirit, uh, if I can call it that. And therefore, we're very conscious of what our technology can do in health. Yeah. We're conscious of what we can contribute to agriculture, to education and so forth. And so what we really look after and look at at Vodacom is beyond connectivity. So connectivity is one part of it. It's a strong part of it. Uh, but what does that technology then do in the different sectors and impact the different sectors uh, in that way? And so that's that's the one which is really uh, digital inclusion. And because of that, it takes us into things like IoT. It takes us into things like cloud and hosting and security um, and financial services and, and so so forth. Um, and then the second pillar is really around um, inclusion for all, because while we believe that all of this is is hugely transformational, we actually believe that no one else should be no one should be left behind in this digital uh, in this digital economy. And then when you are the third one is is about planet, um, and uh, we we believe that as we go about doing what we should do. Uh, we should do that in a responsible manner and therefore uh, renewable energy, what we do on that and how we essentially put forward our strategy in a way that is uh, that's responsible in uh, you know with 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 the the, the view of the planet in, in mind really so so all of that fits in and so that's that's kind of what we look after in Vodacom South Africa so it's a connectivity piece it's what would call beyond mobile um, and uh, and we've got all sorts of pillars in there and tools to be able to deliver on that strategy okay cool so 
Let's address, uh, I wanted us to at least get some of the big elephants in the room, you know, out of the way first. Um, the first one, you know, being the fact that you alluded to renewable energy just now and uh, yourselves and uh, your competitors, you know, that are blue, orange uh, and yellow um, have all been making a lot of noise about uh, the power situation um, in South Africa. And I think the number that's come out from Vodacom is, you know, over $4 billion spent you know, just trying to keep the network alive. For a person that is not sitting and, you know, looking at uh, network architecture and, you know, all of those diagrams and sites on a daily basis, what's your view right now about network availability when it comes to load shedding? Because I think there was a period, especially last year, I would say the second half of last year, uh, where the networks across the board were, were, were struggling because no one anticipated that we're going to have over 200 days of load shedding. Yeah. And that has an impact on, you know, networks and all of that. But now where we are, we're in the second half of 2023. What's your view on network availability right now, you know, from a Vodacom stance? Uh, I mean, Muniwa, let me let me tell you firstly why it's important um, and just... You know, I, I've recently, maybe about a couple of months ago, had a conversation with uh, a customer of ours who is um, a single mother, uh, lives in a standalone home. Um, and, and she was clear. She said, when the lights go off, that's one thing. Uh, I can, it's, it's nerve wracking, but I can live with that. Uh, what I quite frankly can't live with is the network going down because then I'm completely uh, isolated and I think you can take it from the single customer view in that sense right up to the business that's reliant on connectivity for their business uh, the amount of sales that can't go through because someone's point of sale machine isn't working etc and so I think the the burden of keeping the network on is a huge burden for us one we take uh, really seriously and I think yeah, you're absolutely right I think last year uh, the load shedding really started to, ha to to ramp up towards the back end of the calendar year so about September October really went into uh, some some significant proportions. And what we saw is the grid availability drop significantly. If I give you an example, uh, between January and December, and you know averages lie, but let's take an average anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, the average grid availability was about 80%. Yeah. Um, but our network availability for that same period was 94%. Yeah. Um, and that's the, the, the highest in the industry by far. Um, and, and I think the... The, the work that went into ensuring that that was possible was really around the capital investment. So ensuring that you do have the network on, I mean, our entire network at a minimum is on four hours standby um, and, and call it 20% or did about an eight hour standby from a battery and generator and so forth. But but it's it's the network investment in that. But then it's the logistics of uh, keeping that running. It's about securing those sites because batteries um, and, and cable theft and all the rest of that from our base stations, huge number of thefts per month. And so there's the logistics of keeping that in play. There's the logistics of keeping diesel generators fueled, of uh, taking some of the non-static generators from this site that's gone down to the other one. Where's your generator now? Uh, how's that going to be connected and so forth? And so it's not just the capital investment. It's the 
OPEX investment into that, but it's also the ability to run the logistics to get and keep 15,000 sites across South Africa uh, uh, on. Now, if you come fast forward to this year, by the time we got to about um, May of this calendar year, from a calendar year perspective, yeah. we had had the, the national grid has sh- had shed as much hours as it had the entire year last year. And so we started on a completely, uh, <laughs> you know, completely yeah. difficult footing. But of course, with the machinery of keeping the network alive, as I've just explained, um, you know, we've had some months that have been better. I think June, um, if I can single out June, was significantly better from a load shedding perspective. Uh, and you do, you do see the the difference in the network availability. However, again, logistically, it creates complications because I'm now, uh, you know, I now have millions of liters of diesel in different parts of the country moving around trying to get to sites. And so it's not just about the load shedding itself. It's also about the inability to plan for when this is a good month, when that's a that's a bad month. How much diesel do you have now? How much do you have then? Now you've got excess because you don't need it and so forth. Um, and, and, and that's incredible uh, sort of challenges around that. But again, I'd say if I look at year to date, our network availability is north of the 94%. Uh, sitting closer to about 95, 96%. Okay, no, no, that's good to hear. And a piece of the the equation, you know, because I've visited a couple, over the last year, I've actually visited a couple of sites uh, and you do see the damage uh, that happens from some of the vandalism that you're talking about. Um, you know, some of these batteries, I think, uh, I think 30 kilowatts, yeah, about 30 kilowatts, that you, that's what you see at a base station. Um, and these batteries are selling, you know, like hotcakes on the, on the what you call this, on the, on, on the black market. Yeah. But you guys have also been uh, making a big push around uh, renewable energy and uh, your deal with ESCOM. And right now, as I said at the beginning, I'm at your head offices. And one of the first things I noticed was uh, the fact that um, anyone who's ever been to Vodo, uh, if you go to Vodo World, yeah. the car park had always been open. But now, you know, I, I see that they're installing, you know, solar roofs and, and all that. But maybe you could talk to us a little bit around the deal with ESCOM and what it actually means for the business. My rudimentary understanding yeah, of power yeah. we, power wheeling and all yes, of that yes. is the technology has advanced so much yes. that you can produce electricity in Joburg that can be used in Durban. Right. That, right. That's as far as it goes. That's okay. where that's where my power wheeling knowledge <laughs> ends. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's, let's do some wheeling 101 there. Yeah. Um, look, it's been an insightful process for us as well, right? Uh, but but first, as you mentioned, coming into the campus, uh, I got lots of hate mail because we had lovely palm trees that we used to have, um, which we had to cut down, and we had to make choices <laughs> like that to clear up the the space that you talk about to be able to environmentalists <laughs> love <laughs> <in that> moment. <laughs> uh, and and aesthetically, the the beautiful palm trees, I, I I did like them myself. But 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 that's those are the choices we've um, done a few things on on renewables, Mudiwa. The first is uh, on the campus itself. 
the campus, as you see, when you drove in, there are um, solar panels that we've put across all the carports, some of the roofs of the building, uh, and that really feeds and um, and provides for the campus, uh, for some of the network uh, equipment on site, etc. Um, and ultimately, you know, what we'd look to do is, as and when that becomes available and we're able to do that, to wheel some of that energy back into uh, into the grid. We've also done some pretty helpful things like connect some of the traffic lights uh, around our campus and so forth using the power that we generate here. So so that's, that's, that's a good part. But that's a really small element of our total consumption. Our total consumption is really the data centers, uh, over 30 data centers across the country, um, and the, the, the base stations that we have, again, close to 15,000, over 15,000 base stations across the country. The, the challenge, um, so when you are, for example, a mine or, or something like that, what you can do is you can uh, build a power plant with a solar or wind, etc. cetera. Uh, you can use the consumption on site as we're doing now. So you generate the, 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 the energy and you use it on site. That's, that's possible, right? Uh, the other is you, you generate and you use and you can put some, you can kind of wheel into the grid, i.e. put your excess into the grid. So that's wheeling. The, the challenge for us that we need to, that we needed to solve together with ESCOM was, um, you know, we would need to generate energy in one place and somehow ensure it gets to 15,000 places across the country, which is our base station sites. Now, now clearly that's, that's, the, that's the challenge we're trying to, to solve. And so ultimately uh, what we've worked on with ESCOM uh, together with one of our subsidiaries, Mezzanine, who's developed a platform for this, um, is we will, we've signed now a framework agreement with, uh, with ESCOM, uh, which is a wheeling framework agreement. We've worked and constructed this with ESCOM over time uh, to get the right construct and framework that can be used by everyone. This is not a Vodacom thing. This opens it up for all the businesses across South Africa. Uh, and so that enables us now to go and sign up uh, independent power producers, so IPPs, um, and ultimately then generate, uh, sort of get into long-term agreements with them. They gen- they build the plants, the solar plants, wind plants, etc. We've done all sorts of models uh, to see what uh, what best suits our usage, etc. Uh, they generate the power, they wheel it back into ESCOM, and through that process, we then get credits from where we're consuming across the grid in different areas. And, areas. and so that's, that's really what it is, because what we're not involved in, there's generation, which is one thing, but the, the sort of transport and the transmission is a completely separate element, and that's all ESCOM. And so for us, it's how do we sort of generate it, feed it into the grid, and then from there, ESCOM essentially gives us the credits for what we're putting into the grid and what we're consuming uh, from the different sites that we're, that we're using across, across the country. So if I'm understanding you correctly, um, you guys could sign a deal with, let's say, someone who has a solar farm. I don't know, in a hot place like the Karoo, and then maybe wind um, in the Eastern Cape or something. And then and then what you're measuring is how much is being outputted from those various systems being put on the grid. And then if you, if you have, if you need it, you know, let's say in Limpopo, right? ESCOM can deliver power for you there because you're producing it somewhere else. That's, that's 
almost exactly it uh, absolutely it um what almost it, almost <laughs> almost <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to create the notion that the the energy that we use in limpopo in your example mm. is that which exactly which was generated in the karoo um, course, right course, so yeah. so that's why i say almost because ultimately the energy that's generated uh, at that farm wherever that farm will be that that power plant will be is fed back into the grid and that amount of energy is credited off our various usage wherever it is uh, in the different areas of the of the country very interesting i'm very i think for me what i'm waiting to see is if such a, if such a system is able to reduce excess yeah. i think yeah i think that's that's so, ultimately yeah you no know, absolutely so so what 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 you do is we we've dimensioned our whole uh, network we know exactly how much we consume we know when we consume it by time of day etc um what we've then done is is then had a look and we we're, we're starting with 30% uh in the first in the first round uh we were looking to then find or sign up uh, independent power producers for about 30% of our total uh, sort of consumption. Now, if we produce more uh, than 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 that through the through the various uh, agreements and IPPs that we sign up. Uh, now, of course, ESCOM have the, and that's why we needed a, a, a wheeling framework and a framework agreement because they've got really clear clear rules about um, what like the the patterns of which you feed back into the grid must be the pattern of which you consume. So, for example, I can't consume huge during peak uh, and only feed into a grid during off peak, uh, you know, and those sorts of things. And those are the models and the things and the frameworks ultimately that uh, you need to come down to and, and, and sort of get to, to a place with ESCOM. And I think the agreement, the framework agreement we've now uh, constructed together with ESCOM is one that the entire uh, sort of corporate South Africa can use. Okay. Talk to me about the CapEx versus OPEX type of considerations on something like this, because we come from the world of finance and, uh, you know, those are the calculators that have been sitting <laughs> and saying, okay, you know, uh, Vodacom has been telling us about these billions that they've been spending on diesel, yes, yes, generators, yes. on batteries, etc. What does this agreement do to that expenditure? Um, n- nothing in, to, to, to one extent in the sense that um, the, the CapEx that we spend, uh, because again, let me just, let me maybe take it a step back, Mudiwa. So, so the, the reality is what this will do is it will increase capacity into the national grid, right? It won't necessarily uh, prevent load shedding on one of our sites in Eastern Cape or yeah. so forth and whatever. Yeah. So in that yeah. regard, we still ultimately will continue um, our, you know, our program of looking at how we uh, provide power at a site level. So at a site level, we've got a various different uh, mix of constructs of what we put, a combination of uh, um, you haven't done that much solar on site, very difficult at the space and the theft and so forth, but nonetheless, um, a combination of, um, of solar, of generators, of batteries. So you've kind of got your on-site generation, as it were, uh, which helps cover some of the backup. But that will continue to invest in, and that's our capital expenditure. Um, I think when it comes to this big project on the with the IPPs, uh, it, it doesn't really make sense for us to invest capital expenditure into that. Our CapEx is competing for what we want to do on the network, for what we need to do with uh, some of our IT systems, etc. So that's what we want to invest CapEx in. Uh, this model enables, uh, enables us to, to effectively 
sign up with an IPP whose core business it is uh, to find the funding to be able to invest into that business and, 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 and go on with that. What would be important for us is the the agreed rate that we have with the IPP once we sign that up, because again, that does give a little bit more predictability in our energy cost. Okay. And those agreements with uh, with the IPPs, what's the market looking like right now? Because um, I think that's the other piece of the equation to say it's such a great idea, uh, but actually operationalizing something like that, putting it into effect, how, how easy or hard is, you know, something like that, uh, you know, the market's looking really strong. We've we've learned a lot through the process, and we've uh, uh, gone through with the multiple sort of uh, vendors and so forth through our procurement processes. Uh, we haven't concluded those processes because there's, there's there's quite a lot that would be would have been reliant on the framework agreement we've now signed with ESCOM. Uh, now that we have that, we're in the final leg of finalising those those IPPs, and typically most of those would then take about eighteen months to twenty four months to come on on. And for the uh, the megawatt geeks out there, thirty percent of Vodacom's uh, consumption. What does that look like? <laughs> <laughs> so 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 look so so total total across our network is probably about five hundred five hundred and thirty uh, gigawatts. Wow, <laughs> that's big. I wasn't expecting that yeah. number. That's huge. Um, okay, cool. So switching over, you know, just a little bit, uh, I'm going to come back to uh, the issue of the network towers just now. Uh, but I wanted to address the other um, elephant, you know, All is right. uh, what you call this consolidation. Obviously, there's yeah. this big deal uh, that you guys have with CIVH and, uh, you know, taking 30% of uh, MASIF. Um, Competition Commission has come through. Um, you guys have stated your position, uh, you know, disappointment, looking to engage with the tribunal. Anything to add on that front? No, no, nothing, nothing to add. We 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 issued our position uh, at the time a couple of weeks ago, and I think we'll we'll continue through the process with the with the tribunal, um, and um, and really that's we'll, we'll follow through to the process. I think, as we said in our statement, we were uh, surprised and disappointed. We really believe this will, um, you know, unlock huge potential for 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 the country in terms of uh, the deal itself and all the different elements of the deal. Uh, that some of which we've we, we've disclosed as part of the processes uh, in terms of the the social obligations, but also the the employment creation, the uh, new homes that will be passed in lower income areas with fibre, etc. So I mean, it's it's incredibly transformational for the country. We strongly believe in it, and we'll continue with the process. Okay. Now we are recording this uh, on the 30th of August, right? right. I, I mentioned that date because we actually have a piece that's coming out in the financial mail on the 31st. Okay. We went out and we're just talking to some people. You know, you can you can add, you can comment or not comment, you know, because obviously the sensitivities around um, the process you're going through. And uh, we engaged with a couple of people, I think uh, Ralph and Peter from MTN, George Mendes from Cell see and a couple of the one of the things that stuck out and also some of the analysts is the way that you know we view a market right to say that when you're looking at connectivity you don't necessarily look at 5g or fiber as individual markets but rather we're trying to compete for uh, a customer's entire connectivity life yeah your view on that 
I mean, that's specifically one of the things I won't comment on with you in this case, purely because that's one of the topics, etc., that uh, that we're engaging with. Uh, will engage, I expect, will engage with the tribunal on. Um, so, so I mean, I, I've got strong views, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll leave it for now if that's okay. All right, no, it's definitely okay, and I think I'm gonna come back, uh, you know, to get to those uh, those specific thoughts, uh, you know, um, at a future time. Subscribers, you know, this mm. is something I wanted to pick your brain on, you know, because uh, once again, you know, we, we we're staying busy and we're talking to <laughs> to, to 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 people out there, yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. a, there's been a lot of criticism that's been leveled against um, subscribers as a, as a metric upon which to base your success as an operator, especially in South Africa, roughly 60 million people, 110 million, you know, sims in the market. You guys are the biggest player, so obviously a beneficiary from that. Um, how do you, how are you measuring success, you know, uh, because you, you are running, you know, uh, the biggest operator locally. Do you still keep an eye on, on subscribers or are there other metrics that you are paying attention to? Yeah, so Mudio, I think customers for us are, are, are important. They're import, important parts of understanding how our business is performing um, because we like to understand our customers. We like to understand how our customers are behaving, how they're engaging with us, how we're engaging with them, uh, etc. And so it's an important metric. However, uh, what I would state, and I suspect that's maybe what you're alluding to, uh, customers and subscriber numbers in and of themselves uh, cannot be... Uh, the sole or significant matter in judging the performance of of a business. I'd I'd almost say you know I, so somebody almost love sports. I was about to say I'm a sportsman, uh, but I think that would be overstating it. I guess you could say that okay. uh, years ago, but now you say I love sport, right? Because you 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 mostly uh, just watch and stuff. But 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 it would almost be like looking at a match and uh, and looking at the statistics on that match and kind of saying, hey, look. I'm looking at the at the territory numbers or the possession numbers, and your possession numbers were high, but you lost the game. It's possible, yeah. And so possession is possession is an important metric or territory. Yes, it is, and it can actually explain if you had 10% possession, it will probably explain why you lost the match, right? But it doesn't mean that if you've got 60% possession that you're actually winning the match. And so the important part for me and what I'm drawing from that is it's it's a it's a the customer numbers can be a good indicator to how the business is performing and why it's performing the way it is. Uh, but it can't be in and of itself a metric that defines its in its entirety how the business is performing. From our perspective, uh, it's one of multiple. We look at our net promoter scores. So what do our customers actually think of it? We think we look at our um, our network availability. We look at how we're performing on uh, uh, on our average revenue per user. We look at how we're performing on the number of services that each customer is using with us. We look at uh, all those different metrics to help us really understand the core performance of our business. Um, it is an interesting one, um, you know, simply because, like you said, there are so many different ways to to slice up a consumer pie and, you know, how you measure that. Uh, I, I think the word that is typically used is share of pocket, you know, and, and uh, you know, things like that. Uh, but, you know, over time, um, I think one of the things that I'm very interested to see is how, because Vodacom, you know, has been big on uh, getting into, let's say, your IoT market, mm -hmm. right? Is to say, how does consumption on 
additional additional devices that are not that are not human beings how does that factor into um i guess the subscriber metric you know because a fridge can't go out and buy airtime <laughs> right uh, <laughs> that's right that's right and uh, and uh, and a lot of these devices use like minuscule amounts of uh, what you call this of data yes, you know yes. you ping maybe 15 yeah, minutes 30 yeah. minutes etc so over time the number of sims or connections grows but your proportion of human beings is 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 reducing yes. and i and for me I, I think that's one of the reasons why i'm most curious you know to say what does that world look like where you have so many devices connected but you know few of them are actually tied down to a human being Yes, a human being will be buying data for an iPad, for yeah. you know that type of thing. Yeah. But for uh, your your vehicles, your fridges, yeah. your you know that type of thing, how does? Yeah, I'm just wondering how the, what that world is going to look like. So look, I think I mean I think it's still hugely important, right? Because um, yes, the fridge is is on the one end of the scale because that's that's not going to be a lot. But let's let's take a um, an example of uh, of uh, of a vehicle. Uh, a vehicle will have various elements in that. There's one part of it, which would be a SIM card within the telematics itself, uh, which helps the manufacturer track what's happening with that vehicle and all that constant feedback. The vehicle can then connect to the internet, get some of the, the upgrades for that, etc. And so there's the telematics part. And so that actually, quite frankly, is important. An extra SIM card in that uh, does generate value. Uh, and, and equally, not just that, but also you'll see in, in some of the vehicles and some with our own SIM cards, where ultimately you have then a SIM card in the in the vehicle to provide Wi-Fi in the car. Uh, you know, when we do a road trip with my with my boys in the back, uh, they always want to connect to the car Wi-Fi. Um, and so, yes, that's not the car going to buy data and et cetera, but actually that's a huge piece of uh, data consumption. So that incremental SIM card in my car, in your car, is actually driving revenue usage. And so um, the, SIM, the SIM cards and therefore what, what we measure is, is kind of market share, if you like, which will count SIM cards uh, and so forth is still important now. When we look at it and we compare across the industry, we've got ways of then differentiating um, and stripping out, uh, you know, IoT or Internet of Things uh, SIM cards, so machine to machine, etc. That generally gets stripped out from, uh, you know, let me call it uh, customers, be it consumer or business customers, etc. So we've got ways of being able to understand what the metrics mean uh, and be able to compare those across the industry. But, uh, but I think they are still important in understanding what's happening with those. All right. So, unfortunately, uh, that's where we have to end off for today. I could probably sit here and talk, you know, a lot no more. more. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, uh, you know, not enough time to address yeah, those elephants. Yeah. But like I said, uh, certainly going to come back and try and, uh, you know, pick your brain a little bit more. Um, you know, in future, there's just so much that's going on, um, you know, over in the world of uh, telecoms, yeah. you know, especially in a country like South Africa. We didn't even talk about data prices no. you know because i know a lot of people care yeah. about you know yeah. things like yeah. data prices um you know or yeah. you yeah. know roaming you know all of those things yeah. but uh we'll catch up with you another time 
Some key things, you know, coming out from this conversation is obviously uh, a lot of evolution that's coming through um, when it comes to power and, uh, you know, how power agreements are evolving and the way that um, network operators, especially at Vodacom, is thinking around power and, uh, you know, how do you solve the national issue, you know, so that you can, you know, help to reduce um, the micro issue of uh, being able to power uh, base stations, you know, and the like. And also at the same time uh, you know, also at the same time um, just uh, you know just considering to say what does a deal like this actually mean for the rest of the the sector the rest of the industry uh, are we likely to see you know other operators you know, other companies you yeah. know uh, coming through and maybe uh, making similar types of agreements you know we definitely wait uh, you know to see how that is ending off you know talking about uh, the subscriber uh, very interesting you know to see how that evolution has has gone up you know to say what does the world look like um, especially in a world of more and more connected devices um, you know what does it mean you know when you have a car right that is connected to the internet but uh, that uh, that car becomes sort of an extension to the home uh, because you have multiple users you know for the six hours that you're on the road that is essentially you know the home and how do those discussions evolve over time so that's been us it's been a very uh, informative discussion. Thank you so much. Uh, we're talking to Sito. He is uh, the CEO of Photocom South Africa. Sito, thank you so much for being with Thanks, us. Thanks, Mudio. Good to chat. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from myself and the rest of the team it is a good evening good afternoon and good morning